0: Bless the new year. Year. And welcome to the house of the Lord on this very first Sunday of 2024. We are in the season of Epiphany, and indeed we pray that the Lord will grant you a fresh revelation of who Jesus Christ is as you start the new year. And we are into our directions for this year as part of a four year directions of intentional discipleship. This is the third year. Last year we focused on discipleship in the family, and this year, we will focus on discipleship in the workplace. So sit back and watch this video and let it tell you what this means for all of us. Dear Westy family, work is a gift from God for the glory of God. And God calls us to different types of work in different seasons of our lives. And so whether you are a retiree, a homemaker, a student, or just having a regular 9-to-5 job, there is work to be done and there is a workplace for everyone. In line with our directions of intentional discipleship, in 2024, our directions will be discipleship in the workplace. And we pray that we will grow as disciples for the work that we do in whatever place that God has called us to be. And so let's hear from our Wesleyans of what work means to them. This is what I do. I'm a disciple of Christ. This is where I learn. I'm a disciple of Christ. These are my patients and I'm a disciple of Christ. We are retired and this is what we do. We are disciples of Christ. This is my school and I'm a disciple of Christ. This is where I work I am a disciple of Christ. This is my home where I work. I'm a disciple of Christ. This is Z the Indeed, we are disciples of Christ wherever God has placed us for the work that we do And so for spiritual formation as disciples in the workplace we have three sermon series coming up this year The first is on the theology of work And that's an important one And here we will look at the purpose of work the calling to work, the character for work, and even the challenges that we face at work. Our sermon series for the season of Lent will be on the book of Mark, and we will look at the work that Jesus did while he was here on earth. In the second half of the year, we will have a sermon series on the book of Nehemiah. We will look at leadership principles and the work that the ancient Israelites did as they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Apart from the sermon series, we will have meet week teaching sessions on issues concerning work. We will also have podcasts to help us examine how we can grow as disciples in a workplace. And we hope to form workplace support groups that can help like-minded professionals support each other even as they journey together in work. With regard to witness at the workplace, we intend to launch Alpha at Workplace and also continue our efforts at Alpha So can I invite you and your small group to host an Alpha session or to invite a colleague or friend to come to Alpha at Workplace? Finally, the OSD. Truly, unless the Lord builds the house, we labour in vain. Can I ask you to pray? Pray that indeed, wherever God has placed us in our workplaces for the work that we do, this year, we will truly be intentional disciples that will be sought and liked wherever the Lord has placed us. Pray along with us, that God be glorified in our workplaces. This is Pastor Ray at work with you. Thank you so much. Just appreciate the media team that's put together this video. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work. And I remember when I was filming at Raffles Place, there were so many Wesleyans who came by and said, Pastor Ray, what are you doing here? (laughs) And I couldn't respond to them because, you know, we're part of the filming. And I realized that God has placed Wesleyans all over Singapore, in the world, for the work that we do, for the workplaces that we belong to. And discipleship is such an integral part of the work that we do. And that's why we begin this year with a Theology of Work sermon series. Because the Theology of Work will help us better understand these various areas of our work. For example, today I will begin with the purpose of work. Then we will move on to rests, challenges, character, witness, and calling for work. And I pray that you will look forward to the start of the year with this sermon series as it helps us grasp key discipleship principles of how God has called us to a workplace and the work that we do. And so part of the Theology of Work sermon series, we hope to start marketplace support groups We have members from the Marketplace Ministry that will be available after the 9.30 a.m. service. I think they should be outside the welcome corner or the side courtyard, and they will be willing to speak to any of us, especially young adults. You may be going through a challenge at your workplace. You may have something about, you know, a question about your career or something you want to explore. Do speak to some of these more mature, more senior members who have gone ahead, and they might be able to give you some thoughts and perspectives. Now, I want you to take out your mobile phones, if that's okay to scan this if it's all right with you, because your opinion matters. We are doing a survey on where you are currently in your discipleship, how you view your workplace and discipleship. And this survey will help us as a church to collate results on how we can look at the measures and the the diverse initiatives that we can help us grow as disciples in a workplace. So take a time, scan it, but don't do it now, do it later. And it's also available on our web page, so if you have some opportunity now just to scan that QR code, that will be much appreciated. I'll give you a couple of moments to do that. We are doing the same in the prayer and praise service. It's the same sermon throughout all services today as we launch Directions 2024. And now I ask you to lend me your ears, and as we look at the scripture text for today from Genesis chapter 1, allow me to read God's word for us. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Verse 31. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. What is the purpose of work? It all starts from the beginning. Right from the start, in Genesis chapter 1, we see God working. We see God working as a worker. In Genesis chapter 1, God worked to bring creation into reality. And Genesis chapter 1, tells us that man was made in the image of God, in his likeness. And so if you ask me, what then is the purpose of work? Simply put, it is to work in the image of God. In the image of God, we will work because God worked. The purpose of work is therefore to reflect the image of God who worked. So how then do we work in the image of God? This sermon has got four key main points. Number one, we create and cultivate godly culture. Two, we work in relationship with others. Three, we trust in his provision. And fourth, we honor the limits that God has given us. So how then do we work in the image of God? Number one, we create and cultivate. Do you know that in the opening verses of Genesis chapter 1, God has exhibited us a creative style? How did God create? God created through an orderly process. Creation wasn't just a one day affair. God didn't just snap his fingers and immediately brought creation into being. God took time. There was the first day, the second day, the third day. Did you know that for the first three days, God created three realms? Night and day, sky and sea, land and vegetation. For the first three days, he created three realms. Then from day four to day six, he filled those realms sequentially. To day four, he filled the night and the day with lights, sun, moon, and stars. Day five, he filled the land, right? Sorry, he filled the sea and the sky with birds and marine life. And then day six, He filled the land with land animals, humans, and food. And day seven, he completed his creation. And so it's an orderly process, and I've met it up for you. It's color-coded, right? Day one matches day four. Day two matches day five. Day three matches day six. And so we have a God who is a God of order, a God who brought order into disorder. But my friends, when God finished creation, it was not done yet. Creation was very good. But it was not perfect. It was not a finished product. There is much more to be done. And God now invites you and I to continue that creative process. And that's why we are called to be fruitful. We are called to fill the earth and multiply. We are called to subdue the earth. Now my friends, being fruitful and multiply doesn't mean just procreation. We often think of it that way. But may I say, it's about civilization. And Timothy Keller, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, puts it very well. He writes, To to be fruitful and multiply is not just filling the earth with human species, but with human society. And that means we are called to fill the earth with what is good and right for human flourishing. We are called to fill the earth with godly culture. That is what is known as the cultural mandate for you and I. What about subdue the earth? Remember, in Genesis chapter 1, there was no sin. There were no enemies in view. So what's there to subdue? In fact, the word subdue in Hebrew is not to violently oppress, but to steward, to create, to cultivate, to bring order into what is disorderly. Because there is a great deal undeveloped, and you and I are called to be part of the continuing process of creation and cultivation. Did you know that as part of the continuing process of creation, God gave Adam and Eve the creative role of naming the animals and cultivating the garden. As you know, in cultivation, you bring out the potential of the garden. And in many ways, we are called to cultivate in our work to make our world more fruitful in godly ways. And so as image bearers of our Lord, let our work display the God that we represent. Let our work create and cultivate, amen? Let us create godly standards, godly culture, godly values, godly products. As you go back to your work, you are invited to ask questions like these. What standards do I use in my work? Are they godly? What values do I bring to my workplace? Do they model Christ? What products would God make? Am I making the right products? Do they point to the beauty of God? Will my creativity glorify God and gain God's approval? These are the questions we ask when we engage our work. We ask ourselves, how do I redeem my workplace? Now, my workplace and my work ain't perfect. Often, it is sin-filled. How do I shift from a toxic culture to a life-giving presence of God? Do you know that wherever you go, you bring the presence of God and you have an opportunity to create and cultivate for God? To let that count for God. That's your discipleship, to create and cultivate. That's a purpose for work. And so whatever work you do, you may be retired, you may be a homemaker, a student, there is always the opportunity to create and cultivate and bring what is godly to your workplace. The second way we work in the image of God is to work in relationship with others. Because our Lord created communally, He said, let us make men. And here God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit together created men. Creation involves the divine community of the Holy Trinity. And in Genesis 2.18, God says, it is not good for men to be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. Now, we often understand this verse in the context of marriage, but it is much more than that. The word translated as helper in Hebrew is the word ezer. It is used in the Old Testament to refer to God himself as our helper. And so Eve was created by God to be Adam's co-worker. Eve and Adam were now together work and create and cultivate the garden. And so my friends, you and I, we are called to work in community. We're called to work through community. We're not meant to go alone. It means that we are meant to nurture and honour the people that we work with, we're called to love them as Christ would. As we all know, people work for bosses who really care, and bosses cherish those who care to give their best. So, have you ask yourself, what kind of boss am I? What kind of subordinate am I? Is there mutual honor? Is there fairness? Is there respect? Is there consideration? You know, someone once told me, "You know, I've got I've got a Christian boss, and he's from hell." A Christian boss from hell is an oxymoron. It's two opposites together. Our workplaces where we truly cultivate meaningful relationships with healthy boundaries. Do we seek to love others as Christ would, to serve their best interests? This new year, I think God has caught many of you in positions of leadership and responsibility. How would you love those whom God has placed under you? But those of us who work under a boss, and I work under bosses as well, how then do we serve and honor them Now, these are questions that pertain to the discipleship that we bring to our workplace. Thirdly, how then do we work in the image of God? We trust his provision. Since we are created by God, we must trust that he will provide for our needs. In Genesis 1.29, God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. This was a promise to Adam and Eve. And so, my friends, do you believe that God will provide for your daily bread? Amen? That's exactly what we need. Matthew 6 tells us that He dresses the lilies of the fields and feeds the birds of the air. Now, in those days, in the days of Jesus, nobody bothered about lilies. They were like wildflowers. But do you know that God would feed them? God would dress them? And that means that God brings the divine into the ordinary. God brings the divine into the ordinary. And today, God knows your needs, ordinary as they may seem. God knows your needs. And as you work for the Lord, you will trust that He provides for you. And as we work, it's an invitation. An invitation to surrender remuneration and reward to the gracious provision of God. And these days, we know that it is not easy to make a living. Rising costs, right? Electricity and water bills are going up, not to mention higher GST. And these days, it's sometimes difficult to hold on to a job with sudden layoffs that may happen without you knowing. But my friends, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, as disciples of Christ, our fundamental posture from a theology of work is that we will trust our Lord to provide. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. I know exactly what you need. The pagans will run after things like what we eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. The pagans do that. But we, we trust that our Heavenly Father knows what we need. And therefore, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added to you. And so some of you today, you need to seek the Lord as first, as king in your workplace. And that may mean that you have to make certain decisions. You have to make certain sacrifice. But you know that it is His kingdom. You know that it is His righteousness. And you know that you have to pay a price. But my friends, I want you to know that when you honor the Lord, the Lord will honor you. You do not have to be afraid because He will provide you with your need. Your reward, your remuneration, He knows what you need. And He will come and satisfy if you would surrender to Him. I've experienced the power of God's providence for my life when I entered full-time ministry. When I stepped into full-time ministry, the pay cut was very drastic. And as I looked at what I was going to earn from being a pastor, I asked myself, can I make it? Will it be enough to meet the needs of my family? But I want to tell you, and I want to testify to God's goodness in my life. The Lord has never shortchanged any of us full-time servants. Can I hear an amen to that? you ask any of us in full-time ministry, we will tell you that God has supplied all our needs, often not our wants, but all our needs according to His riches in glory. We have a God who is our Jehovah Jireh. I will testify of how God has provided in ways we cannot even imagine, how He surprises us. And this may not even be in money terms. Sometimes it's an encouragement you need. Sometimes it's an affirmation you need. My friends, you've got to surrender that to the Lord. That's part of a theology of work. You've got to surrender your needs and trust that he will provide for you. Finally, my friends, how then do we work in the image of God? We honour the limits. We honour the limits. Genesis 2 tells us that God finished by the seventh day. He rested from all his work. And he blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. And here's the principle God did not rest because he was tired. He rested because he set a limit. Our God does not tire. He is not capable of being exhausted. But he set a limit. He saw that he was very good. Not perfect, but very good. He finished the work for now. And he rested. He set a limit. And his purpose is to give us a modern example. Later on, in part of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment is to observe the Sabbath. And so it is with us today. We are called to keep the Sabbath. Now, many of us think that Sabbath is simply a day to come to church, come to worship, come to serve. But Sabbath is much more than that. Sabbath is a spiritual posture of recognizing that there are limits to the work that we do. When we are called to recognize that our work is done for the week. We stop to rest. When we, like God, we stop our work on whatever, which is our seventh day, we acknowledge that our life and our identity is not defined by our work and productivity. Instead, it's defined by the humble dependency on God. That is Sabbath. We stop to say, God, it is enough. I stop. And I surrender all the work that I've done to you. My friends, the principle of limits is essential to discipleship. Because sometimes we do not know when to stop. We do not know when to stop. And sometimes we have to know, God, tell me when to stop. And if it's time to stop, I will stop. At what price am I going to pay to keep going? At what price am I going to pay to make the extra buck? At the cost of my health? At the cost of my family? At the cost of my relationship with my children and my spouse? At what cost? Haven't you asked those questions? Where are the limits in your work? And Sabbath helps us take those limits. And if we are made in the image of God, then we must honour those limits that God places in our lives, where we will rest and we will reflect. And next week, Pastor Ian and Pastor John Watt will cover and touch more on the whole concept of rest from work. But Allow me to share with you three discipleship lessons. The first. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful for the work that you do and the workplace you have. I know that the work and the workplace is not perfect, but as we start the year, be thankful. Be thankful that you have the opportunity to reflect the image of God. And what a privilege that is, because you carry that image wherever you go. Be thankful that when you step into your workplace tomorrow morning, you have a chance to represent God. Now, you may think you're not very adequate, but that's not the point. The point is that God wants to use you. God wants to anoint you and empower you to make an impact, to make a difference in your workplace and in your work. And I believe that God has a purpose for the assignments that He has given you. Be grateful, my friends, that you are able to work for Him and with Him. I love the working with part because that's God working already. God is already working. You are simply partnering Him for the work that He is already doing. And today, at the start of a new year, let faith arise from gratitude that He will provide your every need. Sometimes people come to me and ask me, Pastor Ray, how do I have more faith? I said, well, be more thankful. It starts with thanksgiving in your heart. If you're thankful and with gratitude, will stir faith deep within you to trust that God will be your Jehovah Jireh. Amen? Amen. Second discipleship lesson is to engage God actively in your workplace because, my friends, there is no secular, sacred divide. A lot of us unconsciously divide our lives. Work, family, God, recreation. And so maybe Sunday is a day for God. We attend church, we serve the Lord, that's for God. The rest of the week is my work, my family. But do you know that, my friends, God is in everything, every aspect of your life. It is one integral whole. In Genesis 2.15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. These two words in Hebrew, avad, for work, and shama, for keep, they are also used for the worship of God. They are exactly the same words to keep his commandments, to work at following God. And so what's the point? The point is that there is no divide. Your work in the garden, your work at your workplace, is as sacred as the worship of God. And so I pray that you will grasp this principle in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work as though you are working for God. Work as though God is your ultimate boss. Work as though God is the one you ultimately want to please and not men. And when you do that, you will redeem your workplace for God. You will redeem it by the godly culture that you will cultivate and create. So every opportunity you have to be kind, to be fair, to be excellent, to be diligent, you are bringing godly culture. You are bringing the presence of God right where you are. The greatest compliment that you can get is, oh, he's an excellent worker. Oh, by the way, he's Christian as well. He's an excellent worker. And by the way, he's Christian. What a witness to the Lord that we worship. We are called to honor and nurture the relationships that we have. Every act of kindness and love you show, every act of honor and respect, You point to the character of God that you worship. Finally, the third discipleship lesson and then I'll close. We're called to establish sacred rhythms. This really spoke to me. This this part of the sermon really spoke to me. I realized that in the new year, in 2024, I want to set aside margins because in 2023, I've been running. I've been running non-stop. Very little margins between my meetings, between my ministry time, very little margins. And I realized that it's only in those margins that God is kept in focus at the center of my life. And I resolved to keep a sacred rhythm right at the start of this year. A sacred rhythm that helps me begin my day with prayer. And more importantly, to move my day through prayer. Throughout the day, I move it through prayer, which means I will pause to pray to remember that God is in control. I want a sacred rhythm where I can create the opportunity and the space to remember that God is my source. So in that margin, I will remember as I step into a meeting, God, you are in control. God, I surrender this ministry time to you. God, I surrender this meeting, this appointment with my client to you, oh God. God, you are in control. I want a sacred rhythm that fills my mind with God's perspective through praise which means that I will pause and I will remember to give thanks, especially at the end of the day where through the discipline of examination, I will examine my heart, where I've been, and then I will stop to pause and give thanks to God for the day as I prepare for tomorrow. I want a sacred rhythm that recognizes and accepts my limits. Even though I am a workaholic, and I I need to rest, and I will rest. I will take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is my body. Because I want to run the long mile. I want to run a long race for the glory of my Lord. May you keep those sacred rhythms, my friends. And this year, I pray that you will take time to review your rhythms. Don't rush into uh, the rhythm that has been set for you by the world. Oh, by the way, the world tells you the Chinese New Year is around the corner. You go to every supermarket now. It is all Chinese New Year music. It is all Chinese New Year goodies. Guess what? The world does that for you. It tells you this is your rhythm. You just got to prepare, rush, move ahead. No, that is not our rhythm. Our rhythm is countercultural. Our rhythm is biblical. Our rhythm is defined by our priorities of who God is. And I pray that you will keep that focus on the spirit's revelation and discernment for a rhythm for your life in 2024. As I close, I pray for God's fresh revelation to come upon all of us today. I pray that we will work in the image of God. I pray that we will create and cultivate godly culture wherever the Lord has placed us. I pray that we will work and love the people that we work. I pray that we will learn to trust that He is our Jehovah Jireh. I pray that we will honor the limits so that God is glorified as we take time to rest and reflect on who He is. What is the Lord saying to you at the start of this year with regard to your work? Will you come to the Lord in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we pray the prayer in Psalm 90, verse 17. May the favour of the Lord rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, O Lord, establish the work of our hands of our hands. Thank you, Lord, for granting us the privilege to work for you. Whether we are retired, a student, a homemaker, or or working, in whatever season of our lives, let us see the work that we do as a gift from you. Help us to use the talents and abilities for the assignments you have given us. Help us to contribute to the creative and cultural filling of this world that you will be glorified always. For those of us who struggle, give us your strength. But those of us who are fearful, give us your hope. But those of us who are anxious about income and needs, give us your peace to trust you. Let this year be a year of our intentional discipleship at our workplace as we live out sacred rhythms to always put you first in everything. Hear our prayers.